The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. How's it going, Chiefs Kingdom? And welcome to episode 34 of the Great British Chiefs Show with your boys from the kingdom representing the kingdom, myself, Brad Simcox, and Arrow Headlines editor, Tom Childs. This week, we'll be running through the key moments from the Chiefs' demolition of the Steelers. We'll get an update on the Arrowhead Pride power rankings before taking the first look at the Chiefs' Week 17 opponents, the Cincinnati Bengals. But first... Tom's back. Yeah. How are you doing, buddy? You've been uh, you've been taking a bit of a skiving session. This is a Christmas miracle that I'm back. Um <laughs> somehow I didn't have the Rona. Like I felt awful last week, and that's why Rocky had to step in for me. Like my voice was basically gone. There was no way that I could come onto the show, otherwise you guys would have listened to 45 minutes of me croaking away and Brad talking to himself, so a bit like the old Brit Chief YouTube channel, which is uh, stopped going for a reason. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I had a lovely Christmas. I recovered good. in time for that. Lots of family time, lots of toys for my boys. Um, toys that I can play with now. They're at that age where they like they get Lego and like Power Rangers toys, and like, oh, oh I'll sit down and play with you boys. Whilst mum does the dinner. Like, go on then, <laughs> go on then. I'll put the Lego set together. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, baby, good, mate. I know what you mean. I'm I'm just very much the same. My son's twelve, and I've got a daughter as well. But um, I've got to I've got to play Barbies, and I've got to play Lego at the same time. So, yeah. uh, but have you ever not found as a father? You're the one that seems to put the batteries in things. You seem to be building the things. You seem to be putting the stickers on things um, all through Christmas Day. No, because in my house, genuinely, my better half is the DIY person. Uh, <laughs> what do you do in your house tom <laughs> <laughs> like, like she loves putting things together and all sorts like any flat packs and stuff she loves it she just gets into it she gets into her own little like focused mode and gets on with it where i just start shouting at things and starting to put things into places where they shouldn't be and it's just so yeah i say i stay clear of all sorts of things like that so even toys like lego i'm fine because lego has like basic instructions yeah, and you can just go one at a time. It's nice and easy. I'm okay with Lego, but anything after that, like if you give me a flat pack chest of drawers to put together, there's there's no <laughs> chance. I like I would much rather pay someone from IKEA to come to my house and put it together than, than me do it. Well, you're that bad. 
Yeah. That bad. That bad. <laughs> this desk that I use to record this podcast, my computer's on. I didn't build it, she did. <laughs> um, that's terrible. That's really bad. Speaking of building Lego, <laughs> sorry to start on Lego. I saw that what you built. And it's quite funny because when you posted about what you got for Lego, I was actually watching that film at that very time at that same Weird. time. <laughs> yeah. So Enlighten the Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, my son got the uh, the Home Alone house Lego set, um, and as soon as he opened it up, I was like, my eyes lit up. I was like, because I love Lego. I don't know if anybody knows it, but I love Lego, especially the sets and the stuff. You know, all the Star Wars stuff and things. And um, when he opened it up, and he's like, I was like, please, please ask for help. Ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to get my hands on that. Um, and we took it in shifts, and we got it completed in I think it was about a day and a half. I think it was. Oh, wow. So, um, but it, it honestly, it's fantastic, mate. is is a is an amazing set. But yeah. now we've gone that extra step further now, where we bought the light kit for it. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> it lights up the whole house and everything. So, um, yeah, well, we, I'm not going to lie. When I saw that you got that, the first thing I did was go onto the Lego website. Sorry about this, Cheese Kingdom. We're talking about Lego on a cheese podcast. <laughs> Sorry about Lego. Uh, the first thing I did was went online and see how many pieces it was 4000 pieces yeah to put together that's crazy and it's, it's crazy got, man. it got me thinking when are you guys together going to do like the mecca the, like the Vatican city of of <laughs> lego when are you guys going to do the millennium falcon when are you going to finally do that you know what when uh, when we can get one for a decent price i think <laughs> have you seen the cost of that that's like a thousand dollars isn't it pounds. Like a thousand dollars or something, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy, but we'd love to get that. But oh man, I, d- I don't even know where we'd put it. That's the thing, <laughs> no idea where we'd put it. But anyway, um, yeah, cr- Christmas was uh, was a good one, it was a fun one. Obviously, we had to do the uh, the podcast without you, mate, which was very sad. You know, I, I, I don't like the doing the podcast without you, but I tell you what, Rocky, he really helped out a lot there, mm-hmm. didn't he? Rocky Magania yeah, from uh, the Arrowhead Pride crew, um. Real big thanks to Rocky for that because it was great chatting with him. And I actually said something quite um quite bad on the on the podcast, which I think was okay, but in America it's a very bad thing to say. And I said <laughs> okay. we me, you and him should do a three-way. <laughs> and apparently the three-way is not it's not not the same thing as what it is over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're enjoying the shows, please leave a rating and a review because I don't know if you if you guys you know Brad, but Pete's reading all the reviews on the editor's show at the moment. And oh. One of the reviews, I listened to this, the editor show just before we come on here, and it did make me laugh because one of the listeners left, left a review and they said how they were abroad in Rhodes. And it yeah. turns out that Pete and John Dixon have no idea that Rhodes is a Greek island. And <laughs> they automatically <laughs> assumed that they were talking about Rhode Island and then questioned the fact that I thought they said they was abroad. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite a funny one. <laughs> no, in all seriousness... If you love the show, please leave a rating and review. Mention us. If you mention us, we, we give you a shout out as well because then Pete has to read all the lovely things about us. Let's make great Barrier Chiefs happen. Um, keep yeah. sending them in because we do enjoy uh, reading them and listening to Pete uh, read them out on his show too. like the second time in my life that I'm being carried off the shoulders of others. Yet instead of off the field, it's into the Hall of Fame. 
And instead of five or six guys, today I ride in the shoulders of hundreds of friends, coaches, players, colleagues, family. And I just say this, I thank you all very much. This has been the sweetest ride of them all. The legend that is John Madden is no longer with us anymore. Um, John Madden passed away at the age of 85. And all I've seen all over social media at the minute is just so many people leaving the respects for him mm-hmm. and talking about how he influenced them in the game. And we know quite a few people over here in the UK who you know support different fans. And a lot of them, were very much influenced on the Madden game, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, a lot of people were introduced to the game because of the Madden series of, of, of games. And, um, you know, so many people are, are talking about the covers that they like the most and, you know, uh, the, the style as well that, that, that he had in his commentary. Because, you know, there's some fans as well really liked how he commentated on the game. He brought yeah. a lot of energy to it. Um, and and kind of made up words along the way as well. Didn't he? <laughs> he was quite animated in, in in the way his commentary was. I mean, I've just seen recently that Christian Okoye says we've lost a giant of the game. And yeah. it, it's, there's, there's just such an outpouring of emotion at the minute because it has made people stop and think. It is the game we love. I mean, yeah, there's rivalries and things in it, but when somebody like this passes away, you realise that it is a game. It is it is a game that we all love and we all support it and. We should all come together in these moments as well that, you know, somebody like John Madden has, has, has you know, given his life basically to yeah. football and, yeah. and made it what it is. Um, such a legend, such a great of the game, and he will be sorely missed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough legend to find someone that's had a heavier influence on the game of football than, than John Madden, because, like, obviously he was a, an, an excellent coach for the Raiders, then went on to commentary, and then obviously, arguably, his biggest influence on the game of football was the was the computer games, and yeah. those computer games in particular. Um, I can certainly speak for um, international fans have a heavy sway in how people view the game and how they got into the game because it is through computer games that a lot of people found uh, their love for American football, me included. Like that's how I got into the sport was through playing computer games. So. Um, it's it's a sad day for sure, but because it obviously how unexpected unexpected it was, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of tributes at this weekend's games for him. But his legacy will live on forever in the form of the games, in the form of commentary, in the form of coaching. Like he's just he's an absolute titan of the game. Like when you like if that, when you yeah. talk about like the Mount Rushmore of football, he's on it. He, he yeah. is on it. He's the first him, name, isn't he? Yeah, him yeah. and Vince Lombardi, like the first two names on it. And then like, then you've got a few other guys that probably from like the 30s and the 20s that will, will be on it as well, like Halas and all that. But um, John Madden, an absolute giant of the game. But it's nice to sit here and just read all the tributes. Like I'm, I've led with headlines with it today because there was head, uh, tributes from Clark Hunt, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. There's no talk of the rivalry. That doesn't that doesn't matter. There's no there's not a Chiefs Raiders rivalry today. It, it, it's it's far bigger than that. As you said, yeah. it's all about the football community coming together and celebrating the life of one of its most influential figures. Right. Moving on to the game. Happier things, let's say. Um, very good game, this, wasn't it? The Chiefs are now AFC West champions for the sixth consecutive time 
a feat that's never been seen before in the AFC West. It, I mean, that that's like, you know, six consecutive wins. I mean, the last, I think the biggest one was five wins, wasn't it? Uh, I think the Broncos have done it. And I think, did the Chargers do it? Not too sure. There's, I'm not too sure. I'm probably I making that up, but I know, sure. I know, I know the Broncos for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, huge, huge um, game on this as well. And, and it just seemed to be again, a huge dominance from the Chiefs. The Steelers, they've got issues and we'll get into that in a minute, but um, you know, the, the, the Steelers didn't really look like the Steelers of old, uh, you know, the vintage Steelers where they were hard hitting team, you know, Mike Tomlin led team are, are in your face and, and they all know what they're doing. And um, I, I, the only thing I can think of is this team is failing at the quarterback level. And it's difficult to say that about big Ben because of what he's brought to the game originally, but Big Ben, he for me, he should have retired a few seasons ago. Would you agree with that? I wouldn't say a few seasons ago. I'd say like a year or two, maybe. I'd say um, five. He, <laughs> he, he, he's been struggling. Well, it's only like five, six years ago that everyone was scared of Antonio Brown, everyone Bell, and, yeah, and Big point. Ben. Like it was the Killer Bees, wasn't it? And mm. the Killer Bees is probably the greatest team not to reach a Super Bowl in the last 10 years. Like somehow that yeah. Steelers team didn't make it. But um, nonetheless, like I don't think it was all Big Ben. I think the Steelers' problems are much more than Big Ben. I think they've got an offensive line that can't block for Nigel Harris. Um, they've got receivers dropping the ball randomly, just running like that's like, like that Deontay Johnson. Uh, fumble is one of the strangest things I've ever seen. And the Chiefs have benefited from a couple of really strange fumbles this year. You had the one from um, Deshaun Jackson in Las Vegas, where he was facing the wrong way and fumbled that fumbled the ball then. And then that Deontay Johnson one where he, he just ran along and he dropped the ball. Yeah. Like big Ben had his issues on Sundays, but the Steelers just didn't turn up. And it was a strange game because I actually predicted the Chiefs to win a close one. Uh, I thought it would be 17-13 because I thought the Steelers' defence would be able to keep a, a Mahomes, uh, a Kelsey-less um, and potentially Hill-less um, offence in check. But it just wasn't the case from, from start to finish. The Chiefs just had the Steelers' numbers. It, like, it felt like, like an older like Broncos-Raiders type game where the Chiefs just dominated from start to finish. Like You could have quite easily... Said if you didn't see the uniform, said that was Derek Carr playing at Arrowhead on Sunday night, and like that was the Raiders playing at Arrowhead on Sunday. Like it was, it was just a beatdown from start to finish, and really quite an enjoyable game. Considering it was one that I was dreading all week because of the absentees, because of the COVID list, ah. the Chiefs to just to roll into Arrowhead and absolutely beat the brakes off the Steelers. It, it was just wonderful to watch. It was good that um, it, it's also destroyed a narrative as well about Mahomes not being able to. Uh, be anything without yeah. his weapons um, because effectively Tyreek Hill was taken out of the game basically, wasn't he? Because yeah. um, the, the, the Steelers only, all they had to do was concentrate on Hill for most of the game and, and hope for the best that the mm -hmm. Mahomes couldn't use uh, any other wide receiver or any receiving threat that he got. But that completely was blown out of the water, wasn't it? Because, yeah. uh, you know, Pringle had a game, didn't mm -hmm. he? Two touchdowns. Um, he was he would just seemed as though he was he was clicking with Mahomes and and that's what people are wanting to see from Pringle. Um, yeah. We've we've seen flashes of it from Pringle and he's you know he's got a, he's a safe pair of hands I would say. 
Yeah, he's certainly safe after the catch. Like he's had his issues with drops this year. Yeah, it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were going off about. I think it was the Broncos where we had like five or six drops in that one game, and Pringle was guilty of a couple of them. So, um, when certainly when he catches the ball, I feel safe. It's not like we know we like McCall Hardman or Demarcus Robinson has the ball in their hands. Yeah. Like as soon as they catch the ball my hands will instantly go to my face and I'm watching through my fingers because I'm just ready for someone to come along and punch the ball out. I don't really have that feeling with Byron Pringle. And it stems back from a catch that he made against the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl winning year when he got bounced around by about four or five defenders and somehow held onto the ball. So whenever he has it in his hands, I feel absolutely fine. And then when he demonstrates moves like he did on his second touchdown, when he's dipping and diving, ducking and diving, weaving and dealing, like (laughs) wheeling and dealing, it was just phenomenal. Like that to get into the end zone from that position was incredible. We sat here last week and talked about, or we didn't see here last week. Everyone was talking about Travis Kelsey and how especially it was that he got into the end zone in overtime against the Chargers. Well, I would argue that Byron Pringle's effort on Sunday against the Steelers was better. Like, So what three defenders all had a go at him and he managed to duck out a two and spin out the other. Just, just an amazing how he did that. I, I thought the play was dead. I thought, you know, yeah. that first tackle and then he really wriggled. He, he kind of almost put him on his, you know, stiff armed him in a way, didn't he? Yeah. And then uh, I saw the other defender come in and I thought, oh, he's, he's, he's dead to rights here. Yeah. And how he ducked underneath it, it was like it was almost like a boxing move, wasn't it? How he, exactly. And it went underneath well, the uh, underneath the swing. I wonder what coaches say about that because. You're kind of like opening yourself up to get absolutely leveled, aren't yeah. you? Like if if the defender comes in at the right height and hits Pringle as he's ducking, I know you're told to get low to when you're taking tackles, but going low like that with that motion, that little swivel motion, if you get hit there on the side. Like if that was McCall Hardman or Demarcus Robinson, that ball's flying out. Like, but you know, it's, I don't want. I'll be interested to see or hear what the coaches think about that type of move, whether it's dangerous or not. I'm sitting here bobbing my head like I'm a boxer now. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was doing it though. Like, it worked. That, that's all we can say. Really, Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? It worked. <laughs> I think Andy Reid will go, well played, son, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, you, back to the point about like Mahomes and being receiverless. Yeah. The bit I had confidence in was when Blake Bell caught a dig route across the middle. And then yeah. it, and he looked like Travis Kelsey. Like, it yeah. actually looked like Travis Kelsey. The whole play, it was like, that's a Travis Kelsey. Like, I always want to say, that's Travis Kelsey's music. <laughs> he just comes running onto the field. Why is Kelsey wearing the 81 jersey? What's going on here? But yeah, yeah. as soon as that play happened, I was like, okay, we're going to be okay today. Like, Blake Bell's catching passes, Dow Williams yeah. catching passes, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson caught a play. Demarcus Robinson caught a play and ran forward immediately. Like, the first <laughs> time he had a reception in this game, he'd done Demarcus Robinson's things where he'd done his Benny Hill thing, running around all over the shop, trying to go east and west instead of north and south. But the second time he caught a ball, he first thing he'd done was run forward. And then I thought, as soon as that happened, I thought, we're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Because because Demarcus Robinson ran forward instead yeah. of backwards. Well, it, it's all <laughs> happening this year. Demarcus Robinson running forward, Traverius yeah. Ward making interceptions. It's it's like it's it's written in the stars, mate. We're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's written in the stars. <laughs> uh, let's give uh, a bit of props as well to the running back crew that we had there because um, Ceh went down injured with a, a shoulder injury, which luckily now isn't actually. Uh, 
a, a bad injury that we thought it would be because mm. um, it's been scanned and MRI and everything, and apparently it's fine. So that that's that's positive for us. We obviously need CEH going forward into the playoffs, but Derek Gore stepped in. And there's a lot of chatter in Chiefs Kingdom at the moment about Derek Gore and what he actually brings to this. He's he's a different style of player. That's what I see with with with, with Derek Gore. Gore's more that you're explosive running back uh, who will make chunk plays. He will find the holes. He will make sure that as soon as he finds that hole, he's hit second gear and he's away. Yeah. Ch is more of the almost like the more of the, the the powerhouse isn't he that runs through um just just bodies um and we haven't seen him often in the receiving game but we've seen the likes of Darrell Williams the false WR2 that we mentioned um this running back stable seems to be very diverse in any situation and that's yeah. what I'm liking about this running back crew now because like you said we've got that smash mouth football we've got the explosive running back and we've also got the receiving threat um and that's what kind of leapt out of the screen for me in this game was um, this team is learning to take that running game and that short game to the next level now. And that's the thing that I thought we're going to the Super Bowl, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. Like it gives it gives defenses a lot more to think about. Like mm. there's this talk about the cover two defense and how it's the stop the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have worked it out in the last three weeks. I've, I, I saw a stat that they've, I think, on uh, against that particular defense over the last three weeks, they have 46% of their place against it has ended up in a first down, which is more than Whoa. any other team. So maybe the Chiefs have actually figured out the cover two defense. And part of doing that is by getting the running backs involved because the defense will, um, the defense will allow throws out to the flats. It will allow the uh, lighter boxes for the running backs to come through. And the chiefs are using it perfectly. There was one play in particular from Clyde Edwards Alaire though, that we have to talk about. And that's the touchdown run. I, I don't know how you reacted to that. And it's really, it's very rare when I watch games on my own that I get out of my seat. It, it, it doesn't happen. Like if other people are around me, it becomes a bit more panto. You get up, you're like high five woo, yeah, all of that. But on yeah. my own, like if the Chiefs score a touchdown, it's a little fist bump, yeah, and then like get it, yes, get it. <laughs> and tweet. But that play yeah. on Sunday night got me out of my seat and actually had me like flexing, walking <laughs> around the room, like to take those two hits because they were monster hits that he took it and were. he just bodied them bounced out, made the end zone. And like his reaction in the end zone, he's jumping up and down. I was doing that at the in-laws. Like, walking all right, man, man. And there's only one play I can remember. Yeah, basically, I was flexing and just giving it all. You know the Mahomes celebration? I was giving it all of that, walking around. And the only play I can remember that when watching a game on my own that I've done that before was the Hill Mary. Like, when that happened in Dallas... I basically run around my my front room just like screaming like a little girl. And no play has made me physically have a reaction on my own quite like that up until Sunday. And that that play by Clyde Edwards-Alaire was just, a, just the best play of his career, his Chiefs career. Yeah. He's had some good ones. He's had some great runs, even opening night against the Texans and against the Bills in week three in, in Buffalo last year. He had some really good plays. But that one on Sunday showed a different side to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that we hadn't seen before and I only hope that we get him back on the field as soon as possible so we can see that type of swagger that type of heart that type of physicality from him uh, once again 
Yeah. The uh, obviously the the other thing that was uh, in play at the moment was uh, the AFC. It's it's looking good. It's looking really good, and it's looking that that, that this Chiefs team is isn't phased by the fact that they are the one seed at the moment. And I thought we would start seeing a few little jitters and a bit more pressure on it, but they just seem so relaxed, so calm. So, I mean, the, the, the you know, the dancing on the sidelines again, you know, the, it's, it's definitely got this swagger back yeah. in this team that, you know, they've, they've overcome a difficult time at the beginning yeah. of the season and they've managed to piece together a, a fantastic run of, of wins and I just I, I I don't know what it is. It, it almost like this the way the way the players handle themselves, it gives the confidence to the fans as well that yeah, they've figured things out, they've sorted things out. Would you Do say you know that? what they look like, Brad? They look like yeah. a team that has been there before. That's yes. all it is. They that they, is. they look like you know, like the Patriots, like the Tom Brady led Patriots. Yeah, they always had a way about them and they never looked phased, they always looked like a team that know what they're doing, everything's in hand. And they know that they're going to get back to where they want to be. That's what the Chiefs look like right now. And that's what happens when you have a roster that's been there and done it so recently. Like the Chiefs have done a pretty good job of keeping a core group of players together from the 2019 team. Okay, yeah, we've lost some players. Obviously, the O-line's been revamped. Obviously, there's some new players on the defense and linebacker, some on the defensive line, some in the secondary as well. So there's there's quite a few new players in there. But there's a core group of guys that have been there and done it before. And I think that helps. Experience certainly helps. And when you've got such experience from coach all the way down to your practice squad, then when you do face adversity, you're less likely to, to struggle through it. Mm-hmm. Like the Chiefs were always looking... More recently, certainly like a team that we're going to get back to where they want to be. Early on, obviously, we all had our doubts. So I had my doubts myself. But that's just naive, naivety of a fan. We don't have that mentality that they do. Like behind closed doors, I'm sure they were concerned, but I'm sure they weren't worried and like going all talking head crazy like we were as fans. Um, but again, that comes from that comes from experience. And the Chiefs are fortunate that they just have abundance of it. And in this final two weeks in this race for the AFC number one seed, I don't think it really matters what the other teams do, what the Titans do. I, I think the Chiefs know what they need to do to get the job done. And I feel like they've got the, the right mentality to get it done. Yeah. Win games is the key. That's the thing. Tell what, it's an easy sport when you're winning, isn't it? <laughs> like how bad, like how bad was it earlier in the year? Like we were taking crap from everywhere, like, like all over the shop. Like friends, social, everything. Yeah. Like, like I even had people at work coming up to me and going, and they don't watch the sport. Come to me, oh, the Chiefs aren't doing very well, are they? I'm like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> how can you? How can you take notice? No, <laughs> yeah. I've never spoken a word to you in my life, and you're coming up giving me crap about the Chiefs. Like that's what it was like, genuinely for me in September yeah. and October. But now we're sitting here. And all of a sudden, no one wants to talk about us because we've got our, our smugness back. We're sitting here, yes. look at us. We're sitting here smugness. smiling away whilst we're recording this podcast. <laughs> I didn't enjoy recording this podcast in September and October. Now I kind of just want to bring a Steelers fan on it just so we can laugh at them. Well, well, that is it. I mean, um, it, it was interesting. You were talking about, obviously, October and November and everything like that. But Mahomes is... Did you see this stat? Mahomes is 26-0 and 0 in the last 26 games in the months of November, December and January, including playoffs. That's 26 mad, and 0. <laughs> That's mad. Like, 
I don't even he know what to say about that. But do yeah, you know what needs... that also means? That means that? Like, that means Tyron Matthew is also twenty six and zero in those months. That, that streak. <laughs> isn't it funny? Yeah. Isn't it funny how we credit like stats like that <laughs> to certain players to fit narratives? Like Charverius Ward might have played every single game in that run, but it's not. Oh, yeah. Charverius Ward is twenty six and zero in the last November, <laughs> December, and January. Patrick Mahomes is twenty six and zero. It's just a funny way that we we look at stats and use stats to fit narratives. But no, it it's there. It's there in black and white that the Chiefs know how to close out regular seasons. They've been doing yeah. it for a number of years now. Even even back to two thousand eighteen. They had their struggle against the Chargers in that first night football, but they went back and dealt with business and still locked up the number one seed that year. Um, so they don't they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing to to get to the, the big stages of the NFL season. And hopefully it will continue, this run will continue, and maybe it will extend into February as well this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think the, the key here is for any NFL team looking at the, the schedules next year and wanting to win against the Chiefs, pray you get them in October. Yeah. I think that's the key there, isn't it? Yeah. Right then, I think we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the Arrowhead Pride Power Rankings. We'll be looking ahead to the Cincinnati Bengals. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there and welcome back to the Great British Chiefs show with myself, Brad Simcox and Tom Childs. AP Power Rankings time. Now, I haven't actually looked at this this week um, for, for whatever reason. I haven't actually seen this this week. So this is going to be a surprise for me as well. But Tom, our guru, our Arrowhead Pride Power Rankings guru, who is the top five this week? Well, first of all, I'm annoyed that you don't read my work. Like, I put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> if you could tell me that you don't read it purposely so you get it live on the podcast. I've been building Lego, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. Right, so the top five. In fifth, the Los Angeles Rams. In fourth, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In third, the Dallas Cowboys, which means... The top two are the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs quick are question. Top. Quick, no, 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 no. Quick question. Where would you have the Chiefs? I would have them second behind the Packers. Well, you would be wrong because we have the number one. <laughs> they are back, <laughs> are baby. They are back for the first time this year. They are number one in our power rankings. People wow. will say bias. People will call homers. I don't <laughs> care. I do not care. Five Arrowhead Pride writers vote for the Chiefs number one. Four voted for them to be second. The five win out. 
deserved number one team. The Packers are a great team, but their defense is falling off a cliff at the moment and not playing particularly yeah. well. They are conceding points and yards to everyone, where the Chiefs are playing extremely well on both sides of the football. And if you cannot get excited about a team putting up 36 points against the Steelers, who are one of the better defenses supposedly in the league, without Travis Kelsey, then you have nothing to get excited about because this team right now are clearly the best team in football. Well, that's quite a statement there, mate. That's quite a statement. I personally, I would have left it another week to crown them at the top. I would have. But what do I know? (laughs) If it wasn't for Baker Mayfield dressing up as Father Christmas on Christmas Day, the Packers would have lost to the Browns. Like, let's be honest, the Browns ran the football all over the Packers and that game should not have been close. The Browns should have blown the Packers out. But no, stupid Baker Mayfield kept giving the ball away and kept throwing the ball behind receivers. And that was the reason why the Packers managed to get a win on Christmas Day. They got away with one. They played terribly. Defense was poor. Yes, Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Devontae Adams was at Devontae Adams. But the uh, the Browns did more than enough to win that game, except for one man, Baker Mayfield, who, for whatever reason, has taken a sharp decline this season. And the Browns need to have a serious look at their quarterback situation next year if they want to become a contender, because the rest of that roster is absolutely loaded. I've never been a Baker Mayfield. I know fan. you're you not, know. and I was. I was a Baker guy. I don't know if he's on my bandwagon. Though. I was a Baker guy. I thought he was pretty good. I never thought he was the answer. I wasn't one of these guys going to say, "Oh, he's going to be a Mahomes rival." I just thought he was going to be a more than capable, not borderline franchise quarterback that they could have for six, seven, eight years. It's not working out like that at the moment. There's a problem there. The Browns done the right thing by not offering him the contract last year. They're going to have yeah. a sit down with him this year. And they're going to have to try and work something out because he's still going to want to get paid a decent amount of money. The Browns would be Mm -hmm. crazy to give him anything north of 25 million a year. They'd be absolutely mental to do that. So it'd be a really interesting quarterback situation to watch. The one quarterback that I hope they don't get and they won't be in for is Aaron Rodgers. Because if Aaron Rodgers does become available, the Browns might be like a quite intriguing team to join because they've got Mm -hmm. a lot of good pieces there um, to... um, to make to potentially make a push similar to the Steelers, if they if they got Aaron Rodgers, they would be a problem as well. But yeah, overall, the Packers were are a very good team, but right now they are not playing as good a football as the Chiefs, and that's why the Chiefs are number one. Uh, do we have any highest movers up or down? The Patriots have fallen. The- yes. yes, yes, I love that. <laughs> Patriots out the top 10 for the first time in a little while. Yes. And um, this week's opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals, have moved up. They're, uh, they're up to eighth now. So uh, they're they're up there with the uh, AFC's elite at the moment. They lead the AFC North and uh, are in the top 10 of our power rankings. Nice little lead into the next part of the show then, isn't it? The Bengals. The Chiefs what, are facing the Bengals. Segue. which um, Nice little segue, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been if you didn't ruin it just then. <laughs> 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 but the Bengals, now, um, we've been chatting about this just off air, and uh, we're both kind of Bengal fans in a way, aren't we, at the moment? Because... <laughs> I hate we... it, but I am a... I, am a... I, I hate it as well. <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan. I've decided. <laughs> I, I, I just love the Bengals. Like, this version of the Bengals, I just love. And I kind of hate that they're an AFC team. Like, I really want them to be an NFC team. Can we just do some, like, moving moving around, please, NFL? Can we put the, the Bengals in the in the NFC? Because 
whenever I watch this team, I just fall in love a little bit more. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. like like has any team transformed their fortunes as much as the Bengals have in the last couple of years? Like they they went from having who was their coach that they had for years? Marv Lewis was it they had for years? They had Marv Lewis as a coach for years. They were boring under him. Their uniforms were crap. They had Carson Palmer as their quarterback then. They had Andy Dalton. They just weren't very good. They were a boring team. Then all of a sudden. They switch their uniforms to the best in the league. Yeah. And then they draft Joe Burrow. Then they draft Jamar Chase. And all of a sudden, this team are just really exciting to watch. And I, I like watching teams with young players get good. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of really, really annoying that they're becoming good as an AFC team. And like, there's talk about, yeah. about Burrow and Mahomes being the next great rival. Like, it can happen. Like, Burrow is not at Mahomes' level yet. But we're seeing things with this Bengals team and that like the, the offense is becoming good. The defense has some ballers on it. Zach yeah. Taylor seems to have worked out how to coach in the NFL. Like it, it's becoming, they're becoming a good team. And I hate it because I want them to be the plucky Bengals that I could root for on the side, but they're becoming <laughs> a problem. <laughs> they are, they are becoming a problem and uh, they're coming at a problem at the wrong time really for the Chiefs because they're playing some fun football, yeah. and it's not—it's not often you can say that about quite you know a lot of the teams in the NFL. Fun football is what everybody gets drawn to, and yeah. I think the Bengals have gone under the radar a little bit this year, mm-hmm. even though they've played fantastic football. Yeah, they have—they've had a mixed bag of results. There's there's games that they probably should have won, they didn't win, but it almost feels like this team is—is is, they're trying new things, they're trying different things each week, mm-hmm. and. Most of the time, it's 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 coming fruitful for them. Um, like I said, Zach Taylor, he understands it now. He seems to get it. It seems to have, have, have you know clicked in his mind now that this is how you use Joe Burrow. This is yeah. how you use this offense. Um, and I'm so glad as well that it, anybody who knows me, I I, I collect those uh, football cards, don't I? Right. Yeah. I bought Joe Burrow cards dirt cheap, right? Rookie okay. cards, right? And he's starting to play really well now. And I'm thinking, yes, this is a moneymaker now for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got loads of them for next to nothing. Won't be worth as much as your Mahomes cars that you got. Um, if anyone oh. wants to know Brad's address, just send me a DM. I'll let you know. You can send someone <laughs> around to go raiding through his cupboards because he's got some he's got some gems in his house that are worth quite a bit of money. Yeah. Um, I've got some gems. But no, with the Bengals, it all starts with the offense. And it's, it starts obviously with Joe Burrow, but then you look at the pass catching weapons that they have, they, they're just, yeah. they're just loaded from tight end all the way through to receiver. They've got chase who's on 1163 yards. T Higgins also on thousand yards. Tyler Boyd, 792. Uzama who's on 461 as tight end. Like as a, as a collective pass catching unit, they're one of the best in the league. Like yeah. all of them are capable of winning against man coverage any one time and when you've got a guy in Joe Burrow who's clearly not bothered about his receivers getting open who will just throw it up to them and let them make a play and air the ball out obviously it carries some risk if Joe Burrow has 14 interceptions this year um, which isn't great but also not awful but they are getting results because the offense is scoring points they are putting up a lot of points more recently uh, certainly so I, I watch this team and exciting offenses are the reason why we what a lot of new fans get into the NFL and they remind me a little bit of the 2018 Chiefs they're not quite as prolific as that they're not yeah. obviously putting up the amount of points but I'm seeing the amount of weapons that they have and I'm like okay this is a fun team to watch well adding that 
into the mix when you've got Joe Mixon as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's how do you you know wh- how do you stop this team? It's again we've heard this this term before: pick your poison. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bengals kind of have at the moment. They've got yeah. this pick your poison kind of offense, haven't they? Where you know, do you try and stop the run, or do you? I mean, those those wide receivers they've got phenomenal. Like you said, Chase and and, and Higgins. It's just a fun, fun offense to watch, and I think this game coming up with the Chiefs is going to be, it's going to be a brilliant game to watch, and it throw also into the mix that there's a lot riding on this for the Chiefs, yeah, it's huge. Um, and the it's Bengals, huge game. yeah, it's huge and game. the Bengals as well, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. The Bengals are, uh, you know, are they still in the hunt? They're, they're, or are they're, they? Yeah, they're currently top of the AFC North, I think. So, um, yeah, it's a huge game for them. They they want to get this result. I just find it funny that the Chiefs, that the NFL decided to flex Chiefs versus Broncos a few weeks ago. I'm sure they wish they could have that one back and flex Chiefs yeah. Bengals into Sunday night football because they missed a trick here. They done it a few years ago, if you remember rightly, in 2018. They flexed yeah. Chiefs Bengals into Sunday night football, thinking it would be a close game, and then I think the Chiefs won like. 45 10 or something crazy like that i remember cream hunt hurdling the guy and then getting pushed into the end zone or something like that that's just yeah. one of the few times actually the chiefs played well in red and red um but um <laughs> you had to throw that in there didn't you just a quick one uh, off topic you would have stopped listening to us months ago if you weren't here for the off topics um but there's been a lot of talk about like Pro Bowl and Creed Humphrey not making it, which was just crazy. He should have made it. But that leads me quite nicely to like the offensive rookie of the year talk. Like a lot of Chiefs fans believe that Creed Humphrey should win offensive rookie of the year. He's the top graded center by PFF. And a lot of people are saying that he has been the best center in football. That's, that's fine. But it's looking likely that Jamar Chase is going to win offensive rookie of the year. And I just want to know where you, you kind of stand on this particular uh, issue. It's that age-old thing, isn't it? That sexy football wins things, yeah. um, and and Chase is playing the sexy football. I mean, you know, nobody looks at the center really. Do you? Nobody really looks at the center and thinks, you know, that that's where games are won and lost. They see the flash plays from the likes of Chase. You know, wide receiver plays, amazing catches. You know, sprints down the sideline. You know, it, clearly, clearly, Chase is going to win it, isn't he? No, but who do you think should win it? I think Creed Humphrey should. Okay. But I don't know if that's me being biased because of... Uh, it absolutely is fan. you being biased. <laughs> it absolutely is the Chiefs' kingdom being biased because if fortunes or roles were reversed and the Bengals had Creed Humphrey and we had Jamar Chase putting up 1,163 yeah. yards and 10 touchdowns, there is no way in hell the Chiefs' kingdom would sit here and accept a centre-winning rookie of the year over him. <laughs> it absolutely sexy is football, biased. Sexy football wins out. Yeah, I Creed Humphrey has been elite and he probably has been the well, he hasn't been the most impactful rookie. He he's had a huge impact. But mm. Jamal Chase to the Bengals and especially to Joe Burrow has just like opened things up. Like when he got drafted, everyone was saying, Oh, why didn't they take a tackle? Why are they taking a wide receiver? It's almost like the whole running back, why have you drafted a running back type chat? Yeah. You need to protect Joe Burrow first. You do not see what happened to his knee last year. But those people were wrong because protection's kind of been holding up a little bit for the Bengals and the Burrow to Chase uh, connection pretty much picked up from where they left off at LSU. They've been they've been phenomenal together and I think Jamal Chase will win Offensive Rookie of the Year and I think it's probably well-deserved. And if Chiefs Kingdom wants to cancel me now, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, you know, if, if, they, if they're awarding that to a centre... 
it's uh, it's like nah, isn't it? I suppose. I, I think that's I think that's what the rest of the NFL fan bases would look at and go, nah, it's a centre. He yeah. shouldn't have really won it. But, um, I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's been brilliant since he's come in. And especially the fact that he's got Trey Smith right next to him yeah. as well, which um, he's another one that a lot of Chiefs fans would probably throw into the mix as an offensive rookie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I said, sexy football. You can't deny it, mate. At least Matt Jones it. isn't going to win it. <laughs> well, that's the thing, yeah. <laughs> you, how, can I just ask while we're on that? I know we're going completely off uh, off track here from the uh, the actual Bengals game, but Mac Jones... Where's this come from that he is an elite quarterback at the moment? Did you watch the Where, games well, on there? <laughs> yeah, but, not, yeah, he's but, not an elite quarterback at the moment. Like he's not. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It, it's like where's this coming from? It's suddenly it's like he's like, like the you know the second coming of Christ. You know he seems to be, you know, everything that the Patriots wanted. And I'm like thinking, really? I I, I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Are you, are you saying that the draft guard is like the the football version of the Holy Grail? <laughs> uh, um, no, we shouldn't go religious on this podcast because some people won't appreciate it. Um, but um, no, I don't get the Mac Jones thing. I think he's solid. I, I do. I think he's playing well, but overall he's been pretty uninspiring. I think the Patriots' offense is pretty uninspiring. Yes, their defense is good. But um, I don't think with Mac Jones at quarterback, as it stands, they can compete just yet. Obviously, in a few years' time, that might change. He's still only a rookie. But right now, the Patriots look like the fourth or fifth best team in the AFC. And part of that is the offense. Like I was actually cheering the Patriots on on Sunday night against, yeah, the, Bills, against the Bills because people go, oh, why can't you cheer on? The, why are you cheering on the Patriots? Like, you can't do that. We hate the Patriots. Yeah, but I also am scared of the bills like yeah. <laughs> i just, the bills are a team that have built to beat the chiefs remember that's what they did last off season they mm-hmm. built their team to get past kansas city and in week four whenever it was we played early in the year it worked they absolutely destroyed the chiefs in arrowhead yes they've had their trouble since and had some stinkers obviously losing to the jags uh, sticks out more than any but they're starting to right their wrongs a little bit now and they're putting themselves in the mixture and the bills are the last team i want the chiefs to play in in the afc playoffs yes the chiefs are a great team i think they're the most complete team in football at the moment but it's it's hard to beat a team when they're specifically designed to beat you Thankfully, the Chiefs have kind of like altered the way they're playing at the moment and they're finding more success. But still, the Bills scare the living daylights out of me and I really wish that the Patriots would have beaten them on Sunday and eliminated them or borderline eliminated them from playoff contention. The, the, the thing I'm most scared of is I don't want to face the Patriots and uh, lose against the Patriots in the playoffs. Yeah, I know, but you know what I mean? Chiefs- it's like... The only way the Chiefs would lose to the Patriots is if we happened to play them in Foxborough and the weather was crap and Bill Belichick pulled off one of his masterful game plans. But that's not going to happen. The Chiefs are going to be playing at Arrowhead in the playoffs. The, the Patriots won't even get a chance to play the Chiefs in the playoffs. They'll be one and done. Should we get back to the game? <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the ball, on the Bengals, uh, I mean, again, they, they, they've got a devastating pass rush as well, mm-hmm. which we cannot get. We, we you know, we cannot uh, get our heads around at the minute because... You know, we've we've talked before about this Chiefs uh, edge rush that we've got, and and how it seems to have really kind of clicked a lot more uh, ever since Ingram joined in. Um, but the Bengals have got Hendrickson, Hendrickson and Hubbard, who have combined this season for like twenty one and a half sacks. Mm. It's one thing to have a really good offense, like we've mentioned with the Bengals, but when they've also got a good pass rush as well, yeah. 
I mean, that's a scary prospect, isn't it? Well, it complements, isn't it? A good passing offense is complemented by a good passing defense. Yeah. And when they work in tandem, like the Bengals seem to work, it, it results in in winning football games. Yes, Trey Hendrickson's been a problem. He was a problem when he was at the Saints. He was a phenomenal player there. He had a great game against the Chiefs last year, I remember rightly. Um, and then obviously he's gone to the Bengals and lit things up. He got paid and he's he's got 14 sacks in the season. I think he's only behind what Miles Garrett and TJ Watt are the only two players ahead of him. So he's 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 having a hell of a year. But the Chiefs' strength is in the offensive line at the moment, even with the tackles yeah. who are. Andrew Wiley done a great job against, albeit an injured TJ Watt. He done well on, on Sunday. Uh, Orlando Brown's coming to his own. And um, we have running backs that seem prepared to help out in pass protection. And we have a quarterback that is happy to roll out and make plays out of structure. So yes, the pass rush is a problem, but the Chiefs have shown more on more than enough occasions this year that they are happy to deal with it. The problem the Chiefs have had has, has been more so in coverage with players mm. trying to get open, not necessarily the pass rush. This isn't the same offense that we rolled out in the Super Bowl last year where it was all pass rush. That was the, the thing that killed the Chiefs. Yeah. It's not been that that's been killing the Chiefs. It hasn't been sacks. It hasn't been those type of negative plays. It's been on the other side that where it's happened. So yes, I should be a little bit worried, but overall I'm not. I still fancy the Chiefs offense to put up points against this Bengals defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing as well from the Bengals defensive side, they've got some of the best tacklers there as well in the linebacking, uh, linebackers and safeties as well, which mm-hmm. uh, when you look at their stats, you know, they, they've, they've really kind of, they're a solid unit. They're obviously not individual numbers that are like sky high, but as a solid unit, yeah. Um, that's another thing that I think the Chiefs need to be, be wary of, especially if they're trying to use the run game a bit more in the, against this defense, because they do tackle, they do get to the run, uh, the running backs. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs handle this because it almost is like looking at it in a mirror with, like you said before about the uh, the you know the, the Chiefs twenty eighteen Chiefs. They do mm-hmm. look like the Bengals are turning a corner and they do look like they are. They are putting forward a, a, a decent team that can actually do well in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and seeing how that is and, and you know how the Chiefs are now and how they've managed to overcome what they've overcome this season, um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. And uh, I think it's going to be quite a high-scoring one. Um, yeah, so do I. I, I'm, I've, I really like the Chiefs' defence at the moment, even with the Bengals and all their passing um, options. I do fancy Steve Spagnuolo against a still very young offense in the the Bengals having a very young quarterback. And yes, Joe Burrow has played some great defensive uh, coordinators. Obviously, he plays in the AFC North, which has Mm. three great defensive coordinators in that division and three on their day, very good defenses. And they've done quite well against them. But Steve Spagnuolo is kind of special against young quarterbacks. And uh, I fancy him to bring a little bit uh, mix and match everything this Sunday and everyone should be back by then. Nick Bolton should be back in the team. Um, obviously, um, Tyron Matthew looks like he's going to be uh, playing as well. There's no concerns with his injury and Rashad Fenton should be coming back from the COVID list. Mm-hmm. So I do trust the Chiefs defence to do enough. And and like, like I said earlier, I trust... I, I just can't see how you can't not get excited about this Chiefs offence when they play as well as they did without Travis Kelsey. And yeah. the fact that Travis Kelsey's coming back into it and we've seen Byron Pringle now evolve into this WR3 or WR2 that we wanted. We've got yeah. rid of the false WR2. It's now Byron Pringle. We've got guys <laughs> getting involved. I, I think I think the Chiefs will have a bit too much. And obviously they've got the the added bonus as well of Andy Reid and um, uh, his experience that he brings. Ones to watch. 
Now, ones to watch. Ones to watch. I've gone with T. Higgins for the Bengals. Okay. Uh, because I think the, the, the Chiefs are probably going to um, pin a lot of it on Chase yeah. uh, with the defense. And I think T. Higgins is going to be a bit more wide open in this game. Um, so, but either or, I mean, they're, they're effective wide receivers that the Chiefs really need to uh, to be wary of for sure. What about you, mate? I think T. Higgins is a funny one because when, I don't know if you saw the play where Joe Burrow just threw it up the other day to T. Higgins and he come down yeah. between two defenders. And what a play, by the way, just throwing it up and letting the yeah. receiver come again. We're starting to see that against the Chiefs cornerbacks a little bit recently where yeah. like Mike Williams had some success. Obviously, there was one, I think, Chase Claypool had a couple on Sunday as well where the um, callbacks are throwing the balls up and, and fancying their chances with their receivers to beat the uh, beat the Chiefs cornerbacks for jump balls. So we might see a few of them, but that obviously opens up opportunities for the Chiefs um, to, to, gain, uh, to gain some interceptions. But my M1 to watch for the Bengals is Joe Burrow. I want to see how he handles it. I want to see yeah. how he handles Steve Spagnuolo. I want to see how he handles the big occasion. This is the first time that Mahomes has played Joe Burrow. There is a get this game has some expectation to it. There is a lot of things riding on this game. The Bengals probably need to win this game because if the Ravens manage to sort themselves out, all of a sudden they're back in the mix. The Browns play the Steelers on a Sunday night. So the Bengals are likely to be in the playoffs, but it's not a shoe-in for them. And it'd be a good little dress rehearsal before a big game in the playoffs. So I'm interested to see how Joe Burrow handles that. On the Chiefs side of things, I want to see what happens when Travis Kelsey comes back into this team. I want to see right. Will he still get the volume that he commands? Will he get the attention that he normally gets? Because now that the Chiefs have put on tape what they can do without that man, our defense is thinking, actually, we need to throw some more, more coverage to the other guys now. Or are they going to continue yeah. to try and beat up on Travis Kelsey? He's going to continue to try and bracket him as much as possible. So if they don't go through that route, then Travis Kelsey could eat on Sunday night. Chiefs, I've gone for Daryl Williams. Oh, false WR2. <laughs> I still believe in this uh, this false WR2, and I think this is something that's going to be a bit of a game changer, I think, in this game, because um, Daryl Williams seems to do uh, to, to excel a lot more in that in that role, I think. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him a bit more for the Chiefs in that, uh, that false WR2 role. Right, predictions, mate. I've gone Chiefs 28, Bengals 24. I've gone for a close one. I don't. I haven't. Done, I haven't gone for a close one for a long time, and that's pretty close for me. That is close. That's a good, fair amount of points for the Bengals to score as well. Yeah, um, I think the Bengals are going to come out and try and be aggressive on fourth down on yeah. Sunday, and they're going to try and take a, a leaf out of the whole Brandon Staley playbook. I think. I do. I think that's the way they're going to play. I think they're going to except that Mahomes is probably going to get his and they're going to try and score as many points as possible. But that might be their downfall because the Chiefs might prove to be very good on fourth down um, once again. So I'm going to go for the Bengals get 19 points. All right, okay. That's 19. Great. Yeah. And the Chiefs get 35. So you think, wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 25 there. 35, right. Okay, so you're thinking that they're going to go fourth down quite a bit. It's going to fail quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and that's going to kind of mess up their... Uh, yeah, I know it's an outrageous prediction that involves two point conversions as well. Um, wow. But I, I don't know. I, I just trust this team at the moment. I trust all over the shop, defense, offense. They're playing really well, and um, when they're clicking, they're a hard team to beat. Especially if they can get up early, and the Bengals are forced to be more aggressive, and the Chiefs can kind of pin their ears back and get after Joe Burrow 
a little bit, then the Chiefs will have some success. I'm looking forward to taking this prediction to the, um, the Cincinnati Bengals SB Nation website later in the week. And when I put in 3519 in there and see the comment section just light up, well, what does this Chiefs bloke know what he's talking about? Well, this Chiefs bloke's right most weeks. So, uh, <laughs> so off you go. <laughs> you just like staring up the other fan bases here, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> right then, that's all we've got time for this week. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a rating and review. Like Tom said at the beginning of the show, we do read them and obviously our bosses read them as well. And uh, we'd love to get some good feedback for that. Uh, Check in with your boys from the kingdom every Wednesday here at Arrowhead Pride. And remember, you can also listen to more Chiefs-related content here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. But all that's left to say here is, from one kingdom to another, we'll speak to you again soon.